can hear the rain outside or not the torrential downpour yeah just in case you can at any point throughout this recording we got a bit of a storm brewing out here yeah you know you know you know trying to be positive it's fine trying to be positive in our try to block out my my our current situation (laughs) all right so today we're gonna be talking about murder on the appalachian trail So, uh, for those of you that don't know, the AT, or the Appalachian Trail, uh, it's national forest land, and it's the longest hiking-only footpath in the world. It's about 2,190 miles, and it goes from Georgia to Maine, or Maine to Georgia, depending on which route you go. It goes through 14 states. Uh, Over 3 million people visit this trail every year. Rough numbers indicate that only about 25% of people that set out to hike the entire thing are actually able to complete it. Which, that's a long hike. It's a very long hike. Well, and not only that, but you don't really know what kind of injuries you might sustain. Yeah. Uh, if you have knee or back issues or anything like that. Like, that puts a lot of people out of the it, game. It does. So injuries puts a lot of people out. And then the mental exhaustion of a long distance hike like that, I think people just underestimate what they're able to handle. Yeah. Well, I mean, with our ones we've done that are like 100 miles, a lot of people can't mentally finish those I was going to say, we actually came across a lot of people that had dropped out or were unable to finish it. Like, were unable to continue to get to their next campsite. Right, so they're, like, stopped and staying in a hostel that is not, or a refuge, that is not on their normal agenda because they couldn't make the extra 10 miles or they decided that they were going to call it quits. We ran into quite a few people like that, especially uh, during the rainy day that we were out there. So, yeah. I mean, it, it happens. Yeah, so it's a long hike. It's a long way to go. I know when I did Wonderland, it was the same thing. A lot of people did not complete the hike. Great experience, though. But, so today we're going to be talking about some hikers or some backpackers that are on this trail. Today we're going to start with James Jordan. James Jordan, which is not our victim in this case. Right. So, and we'll get we'll get into all of that, but we're doing it a little different today. We just want to give a little bit of background on this particular person before we get into the actual Correct. crime. Yeah. Okay, so his name is James Jordan. Yeah, James But we're Jordan. going to be referring to him as Jordan through this. Yeah, sorry guys. Sorry That's for my, my own confusion <laughs> here. He was from West Yarmouth. Yarmouth? 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 I think it's Yarmouth. Massachusetts? But it's spelled like Yarmouth? Yarmouth? I don't know. Let Yarmouth? us know, you guys. Yeah. West Yarmouth. So, however that's pronounced. Um, he was hiking with his dog, Felicia, but he was not an actual Appalachian Trail hiker. Right. So, this is something that is widely misreported. He was not out there hiking the trail. That He was not a backpacker hiking the Appalachian Trail. 
he it's reported actually that he missed his train at some point yeah and kind of just ended up on the trail i i think he's just a wanderer i think he's just going yeah for sure so not the average backpacker that you would run into on this trail he's not he doesn't represent backpackers backpackers. he's or at hikers or anything like that so as we're talking about him hiking on the trail we're not insinuating that he's a part of this community because he really he is he really isn't yeah he wasn't there to hike the appalachian trail right so jordan had given himself the trail name sovereign yeah this really annoys me i don't like when people give themselves nicknames well everybody so everybody has trail names out on these long distance hikes usually your trail name is given to you by the people around you by the people who hike with you like if you're a really messy campsite person they might call you yard sale so people come up with these names for you he actually gave himself this name which means supreme ruler (laughs) or possessing an ultimate power so (laughs) that's just what i want to well done jordan well done so that that's the name that he gave himself not that other people gave him so like when you're hiking on trails Things like that will get around because people hike different directions. People hike different distances. So, like, the word would get around. Well, there's there's the trail logs where people write information down. There's uh, social media platforms is where a lot of him, information about him was kind of circulating. Because, like, when you see something that concerns you, like, this you would tell any backpacker that you ran into yeah hey watch hey, out heads up Crazy's you're hiking down the towards way. Yeah. yeah you're hiking towards crazy over here yep so in april he had actually threatened several hikers in a shelter in tennessee and in this shelter so the the shelter is just basically like a spot where people can stop to sleep or to get out of the rain or whatever it might be and it was a really cold day and I think it might have been raining that day or it was just really cold I can't remember but these hikers had basically stopped at this shelter just to like get their gloves on like they said it was snowing was it snowing okay so it was it was really cold either way so they had stopped there just to get some reprieve from the weather and he, Jordan had been in this shelter and was being very possessive about the shelter, saying that it, he was staying there and... Which he, clearly, since he doesn't know how the shelters work, he's not an experienced... Right. Shelter doesn't belong to anybody, yeah. you guys. Yeah. He was brandishing a knife at the time. He actually chased them with a shovel at one point. He was burning the logbook in the shelter, which which maybe it said something about him. I mean, who knows what who drove knows him. He Maybe he was it. cold. He might have just been trying to start a fire. I'm not really sure. He threatened to kill them. They did report him when they got to their hostel. Uh, I think it was like a day later or a couple days later. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, you just... You I mean, don't... he is he is the sovereign. He <laughs> holds the ultimate power over the shelters. Uh, over everyone, apparently. They were very concerned about him at this point. Like, they... Um, if a man threatened me with a shovel, I'd also be concerned. Well, not only that, but they said that he was definitely mentally unstable. Like, they could tell there was something wrong with him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just that he was mean or that he was dangerous. Like, they really thought there was something wrong with him. I was gonna say, I've run into several mean people in hikes. Yeah. Cat lady here. 
Talk about that another time. <laughs> okay, so one hiker had reported that Jordan said, in quotes, it's going to be a bad day on the trail for hikers. Yeah, that's concerning. Which, this also concerns police. When they yes. heard this, they were like, oh, uh, we should probably but, find this guy. Yeah, so they deployed deputies, and they were actually unable to locate Jordan. Yeah. So authorities in North Carolina observed him a day or so later, but since there was no warrant, they didn't detain him. Yeah, and I, I'm assuming that this just means that he wasn't in the system as somebody that they were looking for, mm-hmm. or when you pull when they pulled him up, or if he gave them a fake name. I mean, we don't really know exactly what happened here, but he wasn't connected at that point. So on April 21st, hikers reported that Jordan was behaving strangely at a trailhead and asking hikers for the password to get on the trail. Crazy. Okay, just so y'all know out there, there's no password to get on the trail. Nope, someone asked you what the password are, I'd just walk away. Yeah, maybe avoid that person. So also that concerned hikers. Once again. So on April 22nd, Jordan had appeared at a road crossing where the trail angels were handing out food to through hikers. Which, by the way, you guys, trail angels are people who basically are, like, out looking out for hikers and backpackers. So, yeah, like, when we've experienced them multiple times, I think Wonderland was where we saw it the most, actually. And that, on that particular hike... Anytime we came into an actual area where there was a campsite, so like White River had actual campers there, like people in their motorhomes, people, normal families, tent camping, and there was like a special section for the backpackers. It's kind of a crappy section, but there was like a special section for the backpackers and people would come through that area. People brought us food and they brought us beers and they came through and just provided stuff for us and that was something they enjoyed doing they wanted to hear about our hike just really nice people out looking out for hikers so that's kind of what a trail angel is so these were people that were just out handing out food because you know things like fresh fruit things that you don't normally get when hiking backpackers long distance through backpackers don't have right so that's what these people were out i feel like if i was just chilling camping somewhere like this and i saw some through backpackers i'd be like oh my god you want my fresh fruit because I haven't tasted it in so long. It's funny when we got to White River we it was our it was day six for us on Mm -hmm. the trail and we were in the bathroom they have one bathroom that has like paper towels and soap the rest do not so we found that one bathroom and we were like in there like kind of trying to like wash up just a little bit and this lady came in, she had a motorhome there, and she was like, oh, what are you guys doing? And I was like, oh, sorry, we're just trying to clean up a little bit. She's like, oh, are you guys staying here? And we're like, oh, we're we're hiking the whole Wonderland loop. We're on day six. And she was like, oh, my gosh, do you guys do you guys need to take a shower? Do you want to come take, I'll make you breakfast. Do you want to come take a shower? Like, too bad I'm just too afraid of people to ever step in foot someone's camper and take a shower. Well, we were, if we hadn't been already, like, we were already packed up and getting ready to head out on the trail. If we hadn't been, we might have been like, "Hmm, maybe we should, maybe. But it, super nice people that we ran into there. But, so anyway, he initiated a verbal argument with one of the backpackers who alerted authorities. Right, so uh, through this whole process, backpackers are calling the police. They are alerting people that things are going on. They're they're mostly, though, talking about it online and through their and, own communication. Yeah, they're mainly warning other backpackers, like, 
Right. And I think part of that too is you're constantly moving, right? Like it's hard to report things to police when you're, you don't even know what county you're in half the time while you're backpacking and stuff. He was apprehended with a fake ID, marijuana, and other drug paraphernalia. Marijuana is legal in Tennessee. Yes, it is. He was also carrying a 17-inch knife. Okay, which... 17 inches? That's a really big knife. And this is why people have called it a machete that he was carrying around. And at one point, somebody said, no, 100%, he had a machete and the police took it away from him. Other people say it was never a machete. It was just a really long knife. We weren't there. We didn't see it. We haven't seen pictures of it. But it's either a really long knife or it's a machete. The police report says it's a knife, though. When I'm... I think they'd call a machete a knife, though, wouldn't they, in a police report? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But I think a set... Like, I think that the knife that I carry when I backpack, which is, like... How big is that? I don't know. It's pretty small, though. But that's... no, no, the the big one, the big yeah, but it's still pretty small. Yeah, but I can I'd consider that a big knife. Like that's a it like... it is considered a big knife. I got detained at an airport because I had that knife on me. <laughs> like four inches is considered a deadly weapon. So seventeen inch knife while backpacking, you no. it, it's out of place. It doesn't. You don't need that. It doesn't belong. There's no reason you need a seventeen inch knife. Yeah, Madison carries my old knife that I used to carry around which by the way I did not realize I had it in my purse <laughs> when I got on the airplane and side note I made it from here to my destination SeaTac, with the knife in my purse and then I actually got popped for it on my way back <laughs> and I was so detained. good job to the Las Vegas airport because clearly they're doing something better than SeaTac. <laughs> they were able to see my knife but I almost missed my flight. It was very stressful. I was walked with no shoes and nothing, like, into, like, a separate area. It was bad. It was really... I'm sure I'm on some sort of no-fly list for it. I don't know. <laughs> but so according to Tennessee's TCA, which is basically their statutory law, so in Washington, it's RCW for Revised Code of Washington. In Tennessee, it's TCA. So it's basically, like, just their laws. Yeah. Um... It is legal to own almost any kind of knife. So Tennessee has not placed any restrictions on the possession or sale of any style or type of knife, which is crazy. Moreover, a person is permitted to carry a knife open or concealed. So they can just be walking around with it in their hand or they can have it concealed in their bag. There's no restrictions on that either way. At one time, automatic knives were prohibited. So like uh, switchblades, right? Like Wait, spring switchblades aren't illegal in Tennessee? No, they're not. They used to be. Okay, so let's go to Tennessee and buy some switchblades? No, let's not. I want to (laughs) Madison wants to have fun with switchblades. That at one time they were illegal, but that was repealed in 2014. So they're actually legal to own by yourself. Here, we're not allowed to have switchblades. They're actually illegal. I know. So also, formerly under Tennessee law, it was illegal to carry a knife with a blade more than four inches in length, but in July of 2014, even that restriction was lifted. So no longer illegal. Washington has the same law except with the switchblades. They're illegal here. So none of the hikers wanted to press charges or testify in court. So he was only arrested for the fake ID. 
Right, or only charge for the fake ID. So this is kind of understandable to a degree, right? These people are backpacking, they're traveling, they're moving. They don't live in this area. They don't live live in this area. So if they say, yeah, I want to press charges, then they have to come back to possibly testify or they have to stop and fill out paperwork. You know, like there's more that goes into this. So we don't know exactly what the situation here was. Um, also the whole, do you want to be a victim? Right. Which is actually a question that police ask when they're like, do you want to be a victim? Like, no, I don't want to be a victim. My instinct, my instinct would be to say no, because just because of the phrasing of that, I feel like. Okay. So he pled guilty to the drug possessions, public intoxication and criminal impersonation. Right. So criminal impersonation in the first degree, which is a class C felony, by the way is most likely because of the fake ID. So if you have a fake ID or you're giving a fake name, that is criminal impersonation. Criminal impersonation in the second degree would be like impersonating an officer or something like that. Okay. So this is just in the first degree, which is a lesser charge, but... If you just lie to your... Like, lie about your name to a police officer? Yeah, that's criminal impersonation. Yeah. Seen that on cops a lot. Yeah, yeah, you do see it on cops a lot, yeah. So don't lie to the cops... Don't give fake names, you know. Either way, he walks free on probation after paying a fine. And he was also ordered to stay off the trail, which we can tell you right now. Didn't happen. He does not do. Come on, Jordan. So on May 2nd, in Tennessee, a hiker recognized Jordan from his mugshot. Mm-hmm. Which, which had been widely circulated, yes. especially in that area. Yeah. The hikers had all been circulating yeah. it. Well, they you want to you want to watch out for your fellow backpackers. Yeah, for sure. He invited him to dinner with the intention of getting him off the trail. At dinner, Jordan told him, "The mountain people," which is what he called the hikers. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. Jordan. Um, that they were being threatened, and that he was remaining on the trail to protect them. Right. So this guy, he is concerned about Jordan. He feels like he's a danger to hikers on the trail. So he's trying to maybe establish a rapport, trying to figure out how to get this guy off the trail. Something. Yeah, something, which is, I think, And what is he protecting them from himself? Spoiler alert. So Jordan said that he had family in Maryland, and he offered to buy him a bus ticket there. The two men, along with Jordan's dog, traveled 90 miles to put him on the bus. Which, uh, so this is May 3rd now. So on May 3rd, Jordan and his dog, who's wearing a service animal harness, by the way. Which. I wonder what kind of service animal he mm, was. Yeah. Hmm. Probably not a service animal. I mean, I don't know. Jordan and his dog board the bus, but they got off at the next stop. Of course they did. He did not take the bus to Maryland. I really wish he had. But on May 5th, backpackers reported more encounters with Jordan. It had now been six weeks of backpackers complaining about this man. They had taken to social media. The police had been put on notice. How can anyone stop this man? I don't know. So one couple had been posting on YouTube. They actually posted their whole journey through the Appalachian Trail on Yeah, YouTube. we watched a bunch of it. But I'll try to put a link to it somewhere or post it somewhere. So in the video that the couple posted about Jordan, they had described 
running into him and that he was hiking with a dog that he had picked up on the trail. Right, so he actually had two dogs with him now. At this point, he yep. has two dogs. He has the dog with the service animal Felicia. vest. Yep. And then he now also has a husky yes. that he picked up, I'm doing quotes, along the trail. Yeah. So somebody's missing their husky. Someone's missing their dog. Yeah, yeah. So the couple said that they had heard the dog yelp. Mm. And the man tell the animal, in quotes, it's your fault I had to punch you because you showed your teeth at me. I'm sorry. I really, anyone who can treat an animal badly. It's just a matter of time before you kill a person. And that's that's kind of what this couple said. They're like, anybody who can treat an animal like that, it's just a matter of time before it escalates or before something worse happens. Also, they described that he had threatened to rip the dog's legs off and eat them. Yeah, you you guys, I literally can't handle this. Like, Like, I don't even know. I, I can't even imagine hearing that. Jordan had also told this couple that he was off his meds. Yeah, so they had definitely gotten the impression that there was something off about Jordan. Which everyone had on this trail. Everybody has. But they they had expressed in the video, like, they were concerned about him. Like, they hoped that he got help. They were concerned about him interacting with other hikers. He was very obviously disturbed at this point. And this is what, May 10th? So now we're going to talk about, so that's Jordan. Basically. That's Jordan. That's, that's Jordan. That's the crazy man of this case. And that's the events leading up to the incident. Who's there? Who's there? Come here. What are you doing? You're not supposed to be down here. Mommy and Maddie are recording. Do you, do you see our red light on? Yeah. Yeah? Does that mean we're recording? That means we're recording. Okay. Right, so now we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about a couple other hikers that were out that day. So we've got Ron Sanchez Jr., who's 43 years old. He's from Oklahoma and he's an Army veteran. He served three tours in Iraq, you guys. Three. That's a lot. Which is amazing. He was actually a combat engineer. He had struggled with depression And even the ability to leave his house, he had gained weight and felt himself slipping even further into depression. So he decided that he had to turn things around. So he became involved in the VA. For veterans, yep. He was in a cycling group. He showed horses. He was also on a dragon boat racing team. Which I have done. It's a lot of fun, you guys. So I was lead row at... Basically a dragon boat, if you haven't seen one, it's like a really long skinny boat. You sit two and two, or one and one I mean, so there's two people in each row. So one and one, and the idea behind dragon boat racing is it's a very structured, disciplined thing. Like you have to all hit the water at the same time. That's what gets you your speed. So there's a person at the front of the boat who's beating on a drum, and their drum beat is to the front rower's cadence. Like every time they're paddle hits the water they're beating the drum so even the people in the back of the boat know when their paddle should be hitting the water i played on a playground madison (laughs) madison was stuck on the playground with the kids while i practiced i was one of the kids then you were one of the kids then it was really uh a cool experience though i loved it uh i did it for a few years it was a lot of fun but it's one of those things that 
would have been good for him. Like, it's a mm-hmm. good structured activity. Okay, so he was described as thoughtful, giving, and shy. Um, hiking helped with his depression and his PTSD that he had had. So he had actually talked to people at the VA, and he had agreed to participate in a neurological study. So how long-distance hiking helped with recovery from PTSD. So he was very clear with his friends and family that completing the Appalachian Trail would be a culminating point for him. Like, he thought this was very a very important thing for him to do. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, it's a great way to clear your head. Hiking in general is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're dealing with depression and you're dealing with PTSD, you're dealing with these other things, It, I could see how it would definitely oh, for sure. feel like the right thing to do. He had also told his friends that he was going on this journey to find himself again. So Ron's trail name was actually Stronghold, which he was quite uncomfortable with. He actually thought his trail name should be The Engineer because he thought it was unassuming, basic and true. He had made some of his own gear. Like, he just kind of felt like it fit him. But the people that he hiked with and the people around him wanted his name to be Stronghold. And it just kind of stuck. After about 100 miles, his knees started to bother him. And he decided to take a break from the trail. So he ended up stopping in Franklin, North Carolina and ended up at the Gooder Grove Adventure Hostel. (laughs) Yeah, that's a mouthful. Mouthful. The owner gave him free board to heal up in exchange for work around the hostel. Which... That's a good deal. That's a good deal. Yeah. He spent about two weeks there. The owner, Colin, said that he became good friends and even made plans to meet up when Ron had more time and had finished his hike. Colin described him as a sweet, compassionate man and said that he had a super good soul. So after about 466 miles in April, he decided to call it quits. He called his girlfriend to come and pick him up. But after five days, he had changed his mind and already wanted to go back. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Like the call of the trail just like makes you want to go back, Mm -hmm. especially if you haven't completed it. I think it's even worse. So Kirby Morrill is 28 years old. She is described as tough and tenacious. She is kind. She actually played rugby for her college team. Kirby had hiked 552 miles in six weeks. Her trail family had called her Took, a moniker she acquired from her American hiking companions due to her use of Canadian words for stocking cap. So that must be the Canadian word for stocking cap? I guess so. I don't know. Canadians have very strange words that they use. (laughs) They probably think the same thing about us. No, they do. They do. They have a weird <laughs> name for sweatshirts. It's like bunny snuggles or something is what they call hoodies. What? Yep. No. Yep. No. Yes. Yeah. All right, Canada, let us know. We have Canadian listeners. We want to know what's going on. Is that a real thing? That. I don't know. I, I know. I know. I know a Canadian and she said that. That's maybe you just know what her Canadian. I don't know. I guess. I don't know, man. But I also guess Canadian hot chocolate is supposed to change your life. So... Well, I want to try Canadian hot chocolate. Though. I also want to try Canadian hot chocolate because right. it's supposed to change your life. Canada's pretty close. We could we could make a day trip out of that. So she had actually seen Jordan from the window of a restaurant that she was in on the day of the incident. So we're back to the day of the incident. She's at a restaurant. She had actually Googled his mugshot to confirm that it was him. And she wrote in the trail registry at the Greasy Spoon, I totally just saw Sovereign heading N-O-B-O. From the window here. Beware, guys. But after a few hours on the trail, she had actually caught up to him, and she decided to go full Canadian on him. 
<laughs> Which I'm using quotes again. Okay, so as she went full Canadian on him. Poor which, which I've never heard that before. Never heard that phrase before, but I might have to use it now. I know. As she went full Canadian on him, she began pouring on pleasantries and petting his dog. And even petted his dog. For our Canadian listeners, can we use that term if we're not Canadian? Like, the next time I have to be nice to somebody, can I say I'm going to go full Canadian on them? Can I do that? When you have to kill someone with kindness? Yeah, can you can you guys give us permission to do that? Because <laughs> we want to start using I that. I really now. like that, that term. Going full um, Canadian on them. Okay. Yeah. She even sent a message to her husband saying that Jordan was nearby. So, like, Yeah, morning. so you guys, this is what he sent back, which I can't. So he texted her back saying, run away, have fun, please don't get murdered. He admits now that that may have been a poor choice of words. Which, you guys, so I know that when we are out hiking and we try to keep the people that we're communicating with back home, like, aware of what's going on, you do. You, you, you tell them stories. You tell them about things that are happening. And I know for our family, it's really hard for them when we are out hiking and they have no control over protecting us or helping us or anything like that so I'm sure he's not super concerned at this point but he's just like okay well be careful he's joking around with her run away like don't get murdered portrait I actually think I've gotten the don't get murdered message before while I'm out hiking so Ron had messaged his girlfriend about the birds singing that morning okay so then he seemed to think that the birds were singing drink your tea drink your tea but I'm wondering if he was drinking tea while he was, like, listening to them, and that's why he could hear, like, that's what he heard. Yeah. Drink your tea. Like, I don't even know. I think that's uh, cute, though. But she said that he seemed so happy to be out on the trail. Yeah, I think he was really happy to be back on the trail. I think he was feeling really good about his journey at this point. Um, he seemed in good spirits. So the area of the trail that we're on here is kind of a more rural area. They're all just kind of, like, hiking together, I think. And we could be wrong about that. I know they end up at the same campsite. So when Jordan, when they encounter Jordan on the trail, he is acting disturbed is how they, they put it. Uh, he's playing his guitar and he's singing, which I've seen people do, but they could tell that something was wrong with him at this point. Later that evening after the four had set up their camp, Jordan had showed up at their camp and built an enclave for himself by stringing dental floss between spindly trees and strewing his belongings across the bank of the river. Yeah, so the only thing I can think of here is maybe, besides the fact that there's something going on that's not quite right, but maybe he was stringing up the dental floss to try to hang up his clothes to dry or wash or something i mean Why dental floss i maybe it's all he had i mean i don't know that it, it's a weird thing to do it's a weird situation we're not really sure um but later that night all four hikers were in their tents and jordan started threatening to pour gasoline on their tents and light them on fire You guys, I cannot imagine being in my tent alone and have somebody outside my tent threatening to light it on fire. You don't know if he has gasoline. Like, you don't know what he actually has at this point. Yeah, he's threatening to light them on fire. And terrified as they should be. 
As they should be. They scramble to try and pack their stuff out. And, yeah, so um, I think at this point they're like, maybe we should move to a new location. Like, let's pack up oh, our yeah. stuff. Even if it's the middle of the night, in that case, I would I would get up and I would. Yeah, I, I mean, I've packed up and moved in the middle of the night because something was unsettling. So, I mean, it does happen. It's hard to do. It's not fun to do. And you kind of just like hope for the best and that you get everything as much together as you can without losing anything. Um, but it does happen. So Jordan pulls out a knife and chases two of them. So yeah, so a man and a woman, and they take off running. Yeah. When Jordan pulls out the knife. Which is understandable. Which, you know, understandable. So they were able to elude him. They ran. He was not able to find them. So he comes back to the campsite and begins arguing with Ron, who's one of the remaining hikers. So now we've got Kirby and Ron left at the campsite. He begins arguing with Ron, uh, who actually, at some point during this altercation, he makes an emergency or sends out an emergency signal from his phone. So he sends out an emergency signal. Ron is arguing with Jordan, and Jordan just starts stabbing him. While Kirby's, like, watching in horror, she takes off running. And Jordan is just chasing after her with a knife. Gosh, so terrifying. It's so terrifying. So as she tired, he gained on her. It's very unfortunate because when you do a long distance, like they have hiked over 500 miles. Like, Well, not only that, but it's dark. You're running through the woods. You're scared. You're adrenaline. I mean, who knows? So she turned to face him and raised her arms in surrender and he began stabbing her. So she fell to the ground and was able to play dead, actually. Genius. So she plays dead. And, and Jordan and his dog leave. Well, Jordan wanders off to go find his dog. Yeah. So smart. Good job. Imagine the pain that you're in after you've been stabbed a bunch of times. Like, oh God, I don't I even know how me. you can lay still enough to play dead. Like, I'm always in awe when I hear that people are able to pull this off because I don't even know how you stop yourself from screaming. You know what Shock, I mean? maybe? Yeah, maybe. It has to be. It's got to be. I feel like that'd be the only thing to be able to stop that amount of pain. So after Jordan left, she started basically like running down the trail. She had to cross creeks. She's running. There's switchbacks. She's cradling her arm because she can barely move it because of a bad laceration there. She's bleeding from her face. Crazy. It's awful. And she's doing this for like six miles. Yeah, so from where she starts running to where she's able to call for help is six miles away. In the dark, after being stabbed. After being stabbed multiple times, you're... I mean, you don't even know if you're going to survive at this point. She does run into two backpackers who help her get the rest of the way down the trail. I'm not sure at what point she runs into the backpackers, but they do help her down the trail. And this is very early morning at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like two o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah. So Jordan had made his way back down the trail and was approaching another pair of backpackers who were sleeping in their tents. Oh my gosh. He was shouting and yelling that he needed a flashlight and they were so disturbed by this that they didn't get out of their tents. Yeah. Which is smart. Which, which paid off because he did leave them alone or he wandered off at that point. So at 221... AM, the International Emergency Response Coordination Center contacted 911 and informed them that they had received an SOS from a hiker. So this is the SOS that Ron 
had sent out yeah yeah on his phone around 2 30 a.m two hikers called 911 saying that they had been chased by a man with a machete so i'm assuming this is the two original yeah. that fled the scene would be my guess and then at 3 12 is when kirby was able to call 911 so at 6 14 a.m police arrived at the campsite Police were able to find the campsite using the SOS signal that Ron had sent out from his phone. Unfortunately, by the time that police had arrived at the campsite, Ron had already passed away. Yeah. Oh, you guys, it's so sad. So, Jordan's dog was there at the campsite and led police to him, actually. Yeah, thanks for that. Felicia? Felicia. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Felicia. Yeah, maybe even Felicia knew that there was something wrong. Um, him yeah sounds like he threatened his dog all the time so i would imagine i know she's like guys get this guy away from me (laughs) get this guy away from me yeah so he was wearing khakis and a plaid shirt his clothes were all bloody when they arrested him think you're guilty yep so campers had even said that they'd been woken up by police in the early morning who were looking for more possible victims so at this point they've received Multiple nine one yeah, multiple nine one one calls. They've an already found SOS. one body. They had an SOS. Yeah, so they have a woman that's been stabbed multiple times. Yep. So they're thinking we Who might knows? have more victims out here. Like they didn't even know at that point. But can you imagine being woken up in the early morning by police while out in the woods, in the middle of the woods? Yeah, that would be this so is, traumatizing. This is honestly like things like this. This is why when I go when we go backpacking stuff. I'm not afraid of the animals. I'm not afraid of that. I'm afraid of the other people. Yeah. And we will, again, emphasize that this is rare. This is not... This is not not a normal backpacker. This is a disturbed individual that ended up on the trail. So under normal circumstances, I guess, there would be two full-time rangers assigned to manage and monitor hikers in this area. But because of reassignments or shortages, I mean, I don't know... The trail only had one ranger that was on loan from another park. He was assisted by another part-time ranger who were maintaining their own positions already. So it sounds like this area was short of rangers and support that maybe these hikers could have used. So there were a lot of things in this case that were not reported to police, but they were posted on Facebook. Or social media, yeah. Social media somewhere. Which... I can see what happened. Like most people are not 100% comfortable just calling 911 to report a strange guy. I mean, it kind of makes sense that a lot of people would be posting stuff online. But obviously the police are not monitoring. They're not monitoring social media. They're not checking these things. So, you know. Jordan did have a history of arrest for erratic and aggressive behavior. So that's cool. Yeah, so, I mean, it went back quite a ways. Uh, In June 2013, he was arrested from a McDonald's for disorderly conduct and resisting arrest and trespassing. So, when you see the cops at McDonald's, this is what's going on. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. He also attacked hospital staff, injuring three of them. He was charged with assault and battery, disorderly conduct there. One day later, he was found naked walking down the street at 5.15 p.m. and he was charged with open and gross lewdness and being disorderly. So that's a lot of disorderly 
in 2013. Yeah, and why do, why do why does everyone who's like crazy just walk around naked everywhere? I don't know. Leave your That's a common on. theme. Leave That's a common theme here. Yeah. Okay, in a third incident that month, he was found wandering down the street at 1 a.m., staggering shirtless, carrying a rubber ball. Maybe he was going to play dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to wander around the streets without my shirt on at 1 a.m., then I want to play dodgeball. Maybe he was playing kickball. Maybe. I don't know. We All don't things know. that involve a big rubber ball. Yeah, we don't know. Oh, he ends up back at McDonald's. Okay, yeah. So he ends up back at McDonald's, cornered by police, and they used pepper spray on him. Yeah, which I don't know if anybody out there has been sprayed with pepper spray. It's not fun. I'd be on the ground. It's not fun at all. But when somebody who is struggling from drugs or mental illness, a lot of times pepper spray will not even affect them. So when the police cornered him at McDonald's, he was already sweating profusely, yelling incoherently, and pacing back and forth while flexing his muscles. <laughs> sun's out, guns out. I don't know. It's not sunny out. Underneath the golden arches, where the sun is the sun out. Please, Louise. So he's probably on drugs, that, or he's yeah. suffering from like some sort of mental break at this something time. Something is not. Something right. is not right. Because you don't just pace back and forth shirtless yelling and flexing your muscles at 1 a.m at a mcdonald's no i don't those anyway. are my nightly activities i don't know but no, not else. mine either so on june 10th 2013 he was found competent and placed on probation in 2014 he stopped contacting his probation officer and a warrant was issued for his arrest in 2016 he contacted the courts and the warrant was canceled cool cool a week later, another warrant was issued when he had failed to comply with the rules of his probation again. again. Shocking. So it appears that the warrant's still active? Yeah, I, I think guess. It, I think it I think so. I mean, I don't know. So in But June, then why wasn't he arrested? I don't know, different state. Maybe it didn't show up. That was loud. Yeah. Phoenix, Phoenix is so loud, you guys. She's so loud. Okay, so in June 2016, Jordan was arrested in Massachusetts for possession of a stolen vehicle. Not sure what happened with that case. Maybe the charges were dropped. Maybe he... uh, I mean, I don't know. Did he spend time in jail? We don't really know. Obviously, he has a track record. Obviously, things have been leading up to this incident. Okay, so going back to the case. So this happened on National Park. Land, so FBI has ultimate jurisdiction yep. again. So he was charged with murder and assault with the intent to commit murder. Of course, this will be pending a psychiatric evaluation. Naturally. Right. So on July 3rd, so Jordan was found incompetent to stand trial and ordered held until he could understand the charges against him. So Kirby, you guys, had... Over 40 lacerations and had been stabbed nine times. One laceration on her face had sliced all the way to the bone. Jesus. You guys, I can't even. This woman is amazing. So on May 11th, she actually had to call her husband and say that she had been stabbed nine times. She confessed that all she could think about was finishing her 1,600 miles. So even while she's in the hospital, she is feeling anxious about being able to finish her hike. I feel like that would be me. I feel like I would feel the same way. I'd be mad that I, I was couldn't off, keep hiking. Yeah, that I couldn't keep hiking 100%. Oh, 
Okay, so she went to work right away on her physical therapy, which isn't surprising since all she wants to do is get back out and hike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she learned an extensive battery of exercises meant to stretch and strengthen her right arm. Where the radial nerve had been mangled. So at one point, a wound on her left leg became infected and badly abscessed. Rough. She just had it rough. This was a lot. This would have been a lot of work for her to get back into like yeah. hiking shape. Just normal life shape. Not to mention the mental toll that this would have taken. I know. And Ron, the fact that he lost his life out there. So I, I just incredibly sad. It's so sad. On September 10th, four months later, she would summit Maine's Mount Kadadin, which is incredible. Yeah, after being stabbed nine times. Yeah. She said, I am statistically more likely to die in a car crash than I am on the trail. It's just pretty bad luck. A complete fluke, really, that I got stabbed. What an incredible way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, that that's just incredible. Someone said in quotes, Ron was a hero in war. He was a hero at the VA and he died a hero on the trail. Yeah. I mean, I think Ron is just one of those people who was so loved by everybody that came in contact with him. I mean, he was a fighter. He was always helping. He was always trying to do what was best for everybody. So sad about Ron. We're so happy that Kirby pulled through and is it sounds like doing better like she's she's trying to put her life back together yeah um which I think is incredible um but yeah we're just so sad that Ron had to lose his life there have been people killed on the trail before this is not the first but it's still a very small percentage we are actually going to do another case um, on the Appalachian Trail. On the Appalachian Trail in general, and on another case on the Appalachian Trail. So uh, we're excited to revisit that. But like Kirby said, you have a better chance of dying in a car accident. It's true. It's true. It really is true. Yeah. So yeah, that's the story of the Appalachian Trail murder. Yeah. So just stay safe out there when you hike. Take care of each other. Take yeah. care of each other. Watch out for people. Yep. And, you know, animals, I guess, too. Sometimes they... You know, I'm, I'm not scared of animals at all, though. But, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for last week. Thank you, everybody, who mentioned us in their stories. And thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. And for reviews, um, we got another good review. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Did we you appreciate you. I did not say to come here. Mommy and Maddie are just wrapping up. We're just doing the end of our um, podcast. Do you want to tell everybody something? What do you want to say? Stay safe, everyone. Perfect. Perfect. That was good. All right. Okay, so let Mommy and Maddie just wrap up our goodbye on here, and then uh, we're coming up, okay? Yes, you want to say goodbye? Okay. Uh, So, yeah. Thanks again, you guys. And Thanks for listening. Yeah. We, uh, we love hearing from you guys. So have a safe week. Stay in quarantine. Stay in quarantine if you're supposed to. We don't know. Or don't. Your call. But yeah. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>